This is Ron Thurston, the best-selling author of Retail Pride, and today I'm live in Seattle with Dana Brown, the Senior District Manager for Evo. Welcome to Retail in America. This podcast is part of the Retail in America Tour, my year-long journey to discover incredible retail heroes all across the country, celebrating our retail culture, community, and careers. Go to retailpride.com or on Instagram at retailpride to see it all, including past podcast episodes, playlists, and the future cities on the tour. But before we get started, I want to thank the three important title sponsors for the Retail in America tour and this podcast. Spotify Advertising. Spotify has grown to over 420 million monthly unique registered users around the globe, over half of which are supported on the ad platform. Spotify Advertising will help you reach and target your audience across devices, locations, and formats. Ubic. Over 300 companies in 80 countries trust Ubic to drive their retail performance at scale, get real-time visibility into multi-location business execution, digitized task management, and consistent digital mobile learning for their teams. And KWI. KWI is the industry's only true turnkey omni-channel platform for specialty retailers. With over 35 years of experience, let KWI help you execute flawlessly with the features that matter most, including endless aisle, clienteling, mobile checkout, inventory management, e-commerce, and more. The links to learn about all three of these great brands will be in the show notes and at retailpride.com. And with that, let's get started. Hi, Dana. Welcome to Retail in America. Hi, Ron. Hi, good morning. Good so morning. we are here in Seattle. I'm excited to be live again, sitting in person today in the Airstream, seeing you for the first time in many years. It's been seven years since we've seen each other. Yeah, it's been So a long we time. met at Bonobos. Yep. I was the head of stores. We were very early in opening guide shops, mm -hmm. and you were one of the first in Southern California in La Jolla. Yes. And that's where we met. Yeah, yeah. We were in that early stage. Of, I think we were guide shop five or seven in that chapter of Bonobos. And yeah, yeah got to meet you then. We did. Mm -hmm. We did. And mm -hmm. you had an enormous impact on the brand. But we're going to speak more about you and hear your story. But before we do that, I want to share a little bit more about you. And then we'll jump into you telling it. So you're a native Californian, like I am, from yep. Southern California, working for over a decade in what you consider a career defined by retail yes. that has led to so much more. You went into retail sales because of your love for apparel and styling, as I think many of us did. Yeah. Um, but what you found along the way was a career inspired by how you help people feel good in their skin, help find out who they are in the world, and own it, which mm -hmm. I love. I want to hear more about that. You've spent time in businesses including Nordstrom, Bonobos, BCBG, and The Collected Group until you had the opportunity to diversify and challenge your fashion background with Evo in the outdoor industry, which what brings us here to Seattle. And today you are the senior district manager for the Seattle-based company. How you show up at work is very similar to how you show up in your daily life to be an energy that builds teams, people, and in whatever way your career takes you as our industry evolves, you are in love with the ride, which mm -hmm. is incredible. So thank you for coming here to the RV park and this beautiful part of Seattle and to yeah. have this conversation. 
Uh, so I want to start with Seattle because this is retail in America. So you moved here in, you said, November of 2020. Yeah. So nearly two years ago. Yep. And what's been your experience with the retail community? Yeah, it's been honestly very different than Los Angeles and San Diego in a positive way. But as you can imagine, coming from those two cities to an entirely different state and to Seattle, there's been a significant difference. And I would say that here it's much more outdoor based, even just cross you know, the retailers outside of the outdoor industry, I think because of just the environment here, we are an athletic wear. I think due to how many tech companies there are based out of Seattle proper and how outdoor focused everyone is, I think that there is a really casual focused customer here. And so I think that a lot of brands, you know, you know, Viore is a very strong player for us at our store and for many reasons, but I think that you'll see brands like that doing really well. And I think that you'll see the more luxury brands doing really well in areas like Bellevue and things like that. Mm -hmm. But really in Seattle proper, I think casual is kind of the name of the game. And our buy online pickup and store was actually half of our business this year. I think when you're looking at what customers are looking for, I think they're looking for efficiency in some areas, but also the customers that do want to come in for that really in-person experience and to have that human one-on-one, that Mm -hmm. is still really a thing. And after the pandemic, I think it's even gotten more heightened. So Mm -hmm. as casual as what they're looking for, they still want that human experience. So it's still... So kind of a luxury experience expectation almost with a casual life, which makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. in a kind of an outdoor life. Yeah. Tell us about Evo, because I think a lot of people, and I didn't either. I've now I've visited two stores, Seattle and Salt Lake City. I've learned a lot about the brand, but tell everyone kind of what brought you to it and more about it. Yeah. So Evo captivated me for a few different reasons and why I joined, I'll get into in a second. But who we are, we are an outdoor retailer, but we are focused primarily on the ski, snowboard, and mountain biking areas of the outdoor industry. And I think we've stayed really true to our core passions of what started our company and our CEO. I actually love this story, but he started out of a garage selling skis online and he was trying to find ways to earn money to do the sport that he loved. And from there, that's how our e-commerce business was built. And so I think we've stayed really true to who we are as we've grown as a company and we've stayed close to the sports that are really important to us. And we've tried really hard to not go too far into too many areas because we want to stay to our core values and to who Evo really is at our heart. But I think that over time, we've expanded into apparel and we do rentals and we do service on your bike and service Mm -hmm. on your skis and snowboards. But I think really most importantly at our core is we're all about creating these things for the communities that we open stores in. And so while we started on the website and online, um, ultimately we want to build communities that share the passions that we have in the outdoor space and giving back to community is huge for us. And as you saw with the Salt Lake store. That was our first endeavor in really creating a big campus that had a hotel and areas to climb and things like that all built a in. Restaurant. Restaurant. Yeah. So I think creating these engaging spaces for people who share all the same passions as us, really community focused, want to give back to community, want to network with each other, get outside together. Evo is all about creating those hubs and those places for people to get together, connect and Mm. get outside. It's definitely how it felt in Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. I know you said here it's expanding to become similar, but when we were in Salt Lake City and kind of walking through and I like everywhere you turn, you felt community. Mm-hmm. You felt you saw people sitting and having a conversation. You saw, you know, this kind of cool hotel space. You saw skaters. You saw all of it. And it, it really did feel 
very much like a cool downtown community where if I were a skateboarder or maybe a, a ski enthusiast, I would come and like hang out and meet new friends. Like it, yeah. it felt very much like family getting together and experiencing with retail at its core. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's really cool over time to get to see all the different ways that those things come together. We have customers who've shopped with us for a really long time whose now four-year-old child is in our skate camps during the summer, you know, mm. learning how to skateboard. And then their older child is taking out rentals from our service and rental shop to learn how to ski or snowboard as a teenager. So I think just to see how that all comes together uh, is just a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. How has it been different than your apparel experience? Nordstrom, Bonobos, BCBG collected. You are very in the fashion path. Yeah. You know, how is this? While it's still fashion with an active yeah. you know, vibe to it, how does it feel different as a leader? Yeah, I'm incredibly grateful to this team because they've given me so much space to learn and take on a new industry. And as you know, right, you've worked for many different kinds of companies mm -hmm. going from apparel and luxury and then Apple, I believe, at one point in your career. So you know what that looks like having to expand your knowledge of different product. But I think that my team was very open and they gave me a lot of grace for learning something so new. And while I had grown up snowboarding and I had knowledge of what I was going into, I didn't have knowledge the way they had knowledge. Yeah. And so creating that partnership with them of bringing in my skill set of what I know about the customer experience and building businesses and how to help them with the areas I have strengths, but to also give them the room to teach me the skill sets they all have, right? They're experts in all these things that mm -hmm. I don't know. And so to create that beautiful synchronicity to create what we all really wanted to do was, was this vision of a customer experience and business we all wanted was really great. But yeah, I would say that the shift for me was not as big as you would think, right? Because retail ultimately is retail wherever you go. And I think that that's something that a lot of us who've been in the industry for a long time do know is that how we speak to our customers, the relationships we build, how we lead with empathy and all those mm -hmm. things, that's the same wherever you go. And as you grow as a leader, you're always working to elevate those things. But at the end of the day, retail is retail. Right. Um, and how you adjust to that in every business is a little bit different, yeah. but at our core. That's what we're doing. It's leadership. You're right. It's motivating. It's empathy. It's curiosity. It's focus. You're just needing to learn maybe some technical things mm -hmm. about skateboards and skis. And even though you're from Southern California, selling it with people who are asking very specific questions mm -hmm. is a new skill mm -hmm. you know, that you're learning. It's, you reference Apple for me. It was similar. I could lead the team. That mm -hmm. was no problem. I sure. could motivate them. I could drive business. But if someone asked me a question, I'm like, you know what? I'm actually don't know, yeah. but I'm going to find the perfect person for you to answer that question. And, yeah. you know, it's a humility that maybe is different in fashion where you can, you know, I won't say wing it, but it, there's more flexibility. Mm -hmm. It's like styling is different than technical questions about computers or skateboards. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, in apparel, you can use a little bit more of uh, opinion or judgment, right? You can kind of go from your gut, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. But I have technicians on my team, right, in the service shop that have a skill set that where you would consider almost a technician who works on Porsche or a Lamborghini, and they're that skilled. And so there are things that immediately a customer will be speaking to me, whether it's an issue or just a general question. And I have to immediately say, gosh, I completely understand where we're going here, but I am going to have to bring in an expert. Um, 
I think that that is something that I love being able to say that genuinely, because I think that the fact that I get to work with people on my team who have that skill set is it's an honor, right? And the fact that I get to lead teams of this kind of diverse skill set from being able to sell a fun Viore hoodie or a Burton jacket to then be able to say, oh, yeah, we can fix your $10,000 bike and I have the full team to do it in Mm -hmm. a day. It's really rewarding, you know, very fun. What a nice way to round out your skill set yeah. to over time. Mm-hmm. So I want everyone to learn more about you because you and I have known each other, but yeah. the audience doesn't. So where did it all begin? How did you end up in this incredibly beautiful, exciting, challenging industry, you know, 10 years in? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I saw when we were talking before if the the career was accidental or intentional, right? And I think that originally going into Nordstrom was very intentional. But if you had told me 11 years ago that I would be still in retail and having an intentional career in it, not sure if I would have (laughs) totally believed you or um, been convinced that that was the plan. But yeah, I started with Nordstrom during their anniversary sale. And I had just moved to LA and was in Manhattan Beach. Felt great about that uh, for however long that was going to be. And I didn't really have a full plan, but I knew that I wanted to be with Nordstrom. And it didn't take long for me once I had been with the company to realize that I needed to learn everything I could from that company. And I think a lot of people who are in retail know that they have been the gold standard for a very long time with customer service. And they have obviously been a family who has been through it with just the ins and outs of retail for a very long time. And so I soaked up every bit of knowledge I could from them for a good foundation in retail. And I was fortunate enough to be able to go through their leadership program and spend a few years with them running many different businesses. And I think when I finally got to the rack with them, which was a promotion, I feel like that was integral to my retail experience of just learning the operational side, logistic side. And so, yeah, I feel like that was just a huge defining chapter for me. And I had a mentor there who every day I'm grateful for her and what the way she led me and the way she taught me and Mm -hmm. learned just so much. And so from there, I took one little brief break, went back to San Diego and I was with the Nobos took one other brief break from retail to decide if I wanted to test anything (laughs) else after I was wrapping up a degree to finish in college. And I immediately knew retail was it for me. And I never wanted to ever test anything else again. And Mm. I went full steam ahead and I went back to LA and I was with BCBG. And then I went to Collected Group, which is a company that uh, has Joie equipment and current Elliott underneath them. And I got to travel all around SoCal running different stores for them. So you're learning multi-store at this point. Yes, yes. And it was great because at one point I got to actually be the flagship manager for all three brands at Century City, which was an incredible experience. And so I feel like that was just an amazing time and really got to travel around and rebuild different teams at different points in our chapter there with Collective Group. And so I would get to see different markets and different teams and rebuild, see what was wrong in different businesses, what problems we need to identify, what teams were lacking what they needed, what kind of support and guidance. And we'd get the team rebuilt, restaffed if needed, if they were missing some team members and rebuild the business, rebuild morale and get them to a good place. And then I would support them from afar once we got them to that place. Yeah. And then ended at Century City for a bit running the three stores and eventually ended in Ventura, managing a joie out there. And then pandemic hit. (laughs) And yeah, I stayed with them for quite a bit on furlough and then was starting to explore some places here in Seattle because I had never lived anywhere outside of California and wasn't quite sure where things were going to go after retail was impacted there. And that's when Evo and I crossed paths. And 
I don't think it took much longer than the first interview to really realize that the vision and the people were very aligned with where my skill set and where my next mm. chapter wanted to be. So I took that leap of faith and fortunately they wanted me and I very much <laughs> wanted to be with them. And so we took that leap together. Wow. And here you are. Here I am. Yeah. Thinking back to that learning multi-store, were there people in your kind of career circle who taught you how to do that? Because that is, it's a big leap mm -hmm. to go from store manager, department manager, store manager to multi-store. Who would you attribute that to? Yeah, that's a great question. It's funny. I, I know that Nick Weisler from mm -hmm. Bonobos has been an amazing mentor for me over the years. And I actually uh, just talked to him a few weeks ago on another thing that I reached out to him for. But yeah, I think that there have been a few key mentors that I've kept in touch with. And I think that when I look at my life in general, I feel like I always keep two mentors for my professional life and two personal mentors, but mm. two that have things that I want and two that currently have things that I need help with. And I would say that I continually go to them for advice on how to get where I'm trying to go and right. advice with where I'm currently at and try to use that rotation cautiously so that I'm never tapping that well too far. Um, sure. But I think I definitely have leaned in with people who have the skill sets that challenge me in a way that make me a little uncomfortable and then also have the skill set that is something that I know is a something that I could adopt, right? I think when you try to lean mm -hmm. too far into someone's leadership style that isn't authentic to you, that's never really successful. So I've tried to keep close to a few people that do have a leadership style that I think bodes well with mine and keep two people on each corner. So yeah, I've definitely always try to keep people close that can help me along the way. Wow. Yeah. And that in, in many ways, what you're describing is what I write in the book around having this like board of advisors, Yeah, similar, you know, mentors, advisors, you know, whatever language you use, mm -hmm. what you're describing is that board. Yeah. You know, that, that they don't all have the same skill set. They're not all contributing to your knowledge base and, and your inspiration in the same way. Yeah. It's a really thoughtful, what you're describing is a really thoughtful way to, to approach it. Yeah, it's worked really well for me. And when I feel like my job is growing or that I'm starting to assume more responsibility, I definitely reach out to someone to say, I think this is what's coming next. Hmm. Any advice? And I think that early on, too, with Collective Group, I remember, I can't remember exactly what the mistake was, but I made some mistake. And I remember the anxiety I felt, or I remember just the rumination that was happening in my head, right? Of, oh my gosh, you know, what does this mean now or whatever? And I remember whoever I reached out to about it said, Dana, the bigger the responsibilities, the bigger the mistakes. So this is what you now have signed up for. And I just remember that honestly was the best advice I had gotten that year because I did make several more mistakes that year. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if the anxiety would have been reduced had I not heard that and would I have been able to do my job as well had I not had that mentality of, yeah, when you do start to move up or, you know, take on more responsibilities, take on two more stores, you are going to make bigger mistakes, right? You made yeah. mistakes at the other job and it just didn't feel as big because the job was a little smaller. And so I think keeping people around me who know how to give you those little sound bites, right? And as you do move up to, you have people with less time to talk to you too. And that's a hard pill to swallow as well, right? So just people that can give you those little nuggets of things that just you can plug and play sometimes and just those little mantras of, okay, you're going to get through this and this is normal, right? And we all have these growing pains as leaders and we're going to be human. But I try to keep people around that just can be human, relatable with me, but also just keep me humble and hold me accountable as well. Smart plan. Yeah, it's it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm going to take a break with Dana for a moment to share with you another podcast that I think you'll enjoy. The Rethink Retail podcast features discussions with a diverse cast of brand founders, leaders, and changemakers about the trends and innovations that define the retail industry. Through conversations with executives from iconic companies like Starbucks, Ulta Beauty, Google, and Coach, as well as new players like Showfields and Neighborhood Goods, the Rethink Retail podcast is one of my go-to sources for candid discussions on what's new in retail today. The show also features a roster of guest hosts from top academic institutions and key industry influencers from the world's best recognized research companies, retail associations, and think tanks. Check them out right here on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And with that, let's get back to our conversation with Dana. Let's talk a bit about what you're most proud of. You know, here you are 10 years in, and now a very intentional career. And through the, the intro, I said how you live your life as a leader is similar mm-hmm. to how you approach your life in general. Yeah. So like where, where does your pride show up? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, year ago, two years ago, I'm sure I would have said at some point, the numbers in a business are always fun, right? To be able to say, oh man, well, if you hand me a business that's not doing well, I'm going to turn you it can around. Turn it. Uh, I'm yeah. going to turn it. And <laughs> then you I've tell me, yeah. Uh, I remember too early on with Evo and my hiring manager, who I'm still in touch with, and I have a great relationship with. He's no longer with Evo, but he's phenomenal. I remember early on, he said, don't tell anyone you want to do that goal because, you know, I don't think it's going to happen or whatever. And I remember that was just exactly what I needed to hear because we crushed it that year. <laughs> and then we did even more than that the next year. Um, and I think that that's always something to be proud of and is, a great thing to be able to accomplish, right? In any business. And as a leader, you want to be able to do that for your businesses. But I think at the end of the day, I'm most proud of when you go into any store, any team, and you feel like you have a team who's either struggling or not excited about what they do or not clear on what they're doing in terms of what's their purpose. Mm -hmm. What are we working towards? And I don't think it has to be volume. I don't think it has to be about the numbers, but I think helping teams identify what it is to give themselves purpose and inspiration every day. And I think for me, knowing that I've done that, whether it be with a team of six or 40 or now, you know, Mm. a team of 100, 110, that to me feels the best, I think. And I'm the most proud of knowing I've done that, even if it's just in my head, it might feel like more, but even if it's just one at the end of the day, I love, I love that. Is there one example in particular that stands out as you walked into this business and you saw this opportunity and and really solved something? Yeah, I mean, I think in Collective Group, when I first got to the three stores um, that were all synced at Century City, I know that that was a, a different experience. Really, I just think everyone was unhappy there. Morale was a tough thing at one point for several different reasons. But I think just getting to a place where everyone was excited to show up to work, that was a win for me in a big way. And that was really a time for me as a leader to grow and figure out, man, how do I make these people just happy and excited to be showing up every day, right? And that was a new one for me versus prior, I'd been a lot of, how do I coach people and how do I get them to sell this SPH and how do I get them more inspired and more motivated, right? And so that was the first time where I had a team of people that were just not happy and morale was tough and they weren't excited to come to work. And so I feel like achieving that was a really 
monumental moment for me and for them to get them reinvigorated about uh, their company and what they were doing because it was there. It was there just figuring out how to get them back. But then I think with Evo too, coming in during a pandemic, there were a lot of retail leaders who worked during that whole time. And I came in, I had a few months of furlough work from home when the pandemic hit. And so I wasn't in the stores for a certain amount of time when a lot of other retail leaders were. And so I came into Evo right before we went into our busiest time. I think I came in right in winter. And so I think for me, adapting and adjusting to this whole new industry, peak of winter, trying to control the chaos for the team that hadn't had management for a little bit and getting them to, for the first time probably in a while, not feel stressed, overloaded with yeah. the chaos of customers, the increase in business that the outdoor industry was experiencing during that time, which was a good problem to have, but stressful nonetheless. And I think, yeah, figure out where my place was with whatever management they'd had prior, but really get us to a place where everyone was feeling at peace with the new direction we were taking. Confidence. Confidence in what we were doing and have a clear vision and feel really good. And I think that was probably the most proud I've been of how we weren't rebuilding per se, but I think building just in general a new team together, a strong team together and redefining. I think that was a really inspirational moment for me as a leader. Wow. And if you think back to those people at Collective Group, who weren't happy, mm -hmm. how long did it take you before you had the sense of, well, at least they're showing up with a smile yeah. and, and they're nice to customers? Yeah, I would did, say. Did that happen? Yeah, it did. And I think that's why it was such a big win as, you know, not just a leader, but just as a teammate, honestly, with them. But I would say three weeks to a month before okay. we started seeing some turn and some laughs <laughs> and things like that. But then I would say after a few months, we were hitting goals and everyone was excited again and they were bringing me you know new ideas and let's try this mm. and i think when you get a team who starts to come to you with that again i think that's yeah. when you know okay yeah. we're all in this together three again. weeks is pretty quick you, yes. have, you have a lot of energy and drive yeah. so <laughs> yeah. three weeks you know to get, they probably referenced that time in their retail career when mm. they met you mm -hmm. and the, and all of a sudden they were able to dream again yeah and it's been nice that i think the most rewarding thing with being a leader in this industry too is I when people reach back out to you after a long time and I actually just have one of the gals from that company just pop in my store at Evo the other day um, probably a few weeks ago she was in town stopped in and said hello and so I think you know whenever you have people circle back it's just the most beautiful thing yeah I'm, I'm lucky enough to experience that mostly through the book because it's yeah. such a great way to re-engage mm -hmm. you know, with a wider audience that then often have this connection point to me somehow and come back with great stories. It's, it's really rewarding. Yeah. A, I know that feeling. Yeah. Just want to pause for a moment because you were in full price, I guess, mm -hmm. and you were in rack. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that it's such an interesting combination of mm -hmm. learning both sides of the business. Mm -hmm. The rack side of it and often the outlet side of our business doesn't always get the credit it deserves. And 100%. having been someone who led outlet businesses myself, talk about pride. Talk about, I mean, I've been there at four o'clock in the morning on Black Friday. I've seen how hard people work mm -hmm. in outlet and rack in these businesses. And sometimes I think we give all the glamour and yep. credit to full price, but yeah. describe your rack experience because I wanna make sure that we recognize that. I credit the rack experience for largely building me into the leader I am today and not just necessarily for the leadership side, but truly for the business owner that I am. I'm not sure if I ever would have 
pushed myself to certain limits to learn certain skills or to have the mentality that I have. And Mm. I remember, like you spoke to, the 4 a.m. mornings of going in with a team of 12 and doing markdowns. And then the truck would still roll in at 6 a.m. And you had to get 1,800 units out by 8 (laughs) a.m. and have it merged and look good. And it was never a burden. It was fun. Mm. And I think that that's a piece, too, that I always try to make sure that my teams are feeling right. Like what we do is fun, but it takes skill and it takes logic and it takes strategy and planning. And I think for me, that's always been an exciting factor. But I learned so much of that at the racks. I remember my first mm. couple mornings there, right? It's very different from full line where when you have, you know, 300 units, 400 units come in and you're like, hey, how am I going to merch this and fold this John Barbados collection to play off of, you know, the Hugo Boss and have it look whatever and get the most traction to the tables. But then at the rack, you're still doing the same thing, but you got to crank out 2000 units of it and you got to make sure that it's gone by the end of the day. Right. And so it's a very different strategy and you're hanging it all and then you got to move it throughout the day, right? If one table is empty or a rounder is empty. A matter of, you know, an hour. Yeah, you're, you got to. doing your work again. Yeah, you're <laughs> scooting it all up front again and you're working with so many different partners in that business throughout the day versus that full line, you might just talk to them in the morning and then not need them again until the next day's truck or whatever. But at the rack, you need those partners all day long. Mm. And so you're working with everyone back of house, front of house, integrally all throughout the day. And so I think that that was uh, just a giant piece of my career. And I think the teams too, I mean, yeah, when you think about what those floor associates, I remember just bins and bins of go backs in the fitting room. And uh, we would all be having hanging parties, you know, at 8 or 9 p.m. and trying to get everything hung back up by 10 so we could put it back on the floor in the morning. But yeah, I think that it's a side of the retail business that is not glamorized as much. But when you look at what it contributes to companies and the piece of the pie, right? Volume, contribution, or whatever, pride, spirit, it's all there. I mean, the rallies, yeah, the morning rallies at the rack, they were a blast. Yeah. <laughs> so much fun. So, yeah, I accredit a huge portion of what I learned there to how I know how to run businesses now, lead teams now. And it's something I'm incredibly proud of. And I think in some ways, learning that side of the business early, then full price sometimes seems that much easier mm-hmm. like oh i can do this mm-hmm. i've done twice the amount of volume and twice the units and the bigger team all of that work in off price how you apply that in full price you just become that much better mm-hmm. in what you do that, yeah that was certainly my experience absolutely um tell us a little bit about how you describe your career to friends and family that's a great uh, question <laughs> uh it's funny because i always say that my mom is the one who knows what i actually do Uh, for a living because of however many years she's heard it the most, probably consistently. And I definitely feel like I've dated people who at points are like, don't you just get clothes hung and out on a floor? And I'm like, no, no, we'll we'll get into that later. Uh, But yeah, I think it's a very hard career to describe to people. And I personally, I've never ever once felt insecure about what I do or not felt good about it. And I think that that's something that if I could scream that from a mountaintop to people about being in retail. I am so incredibly proud of it. And I consider myself a business owner. I think that I truly, I wish that people could 
fully understand, no, I run and manage millions of dollars. And at points, multi, multi millions of dollars. And I get to make business decisions that other people like that would maybe have a CEO title or mm -hmm. be at a table with other CEOs get to make. And I get to help influence that. And I also get to help decide really big things about how fashion and how product and trends and all that with my team gets made and how we move that needle for our company for the next year or season. And I think that I get to manage and lead a group of wonderful humans. And whether it's for a chapter of their life, for a season of their career, whatever that may be, I get that honor. And that to me, when you put that all together, why for a second would I ever not feel good about that? And the skills that that teaches me to then pursue other things I'm passionate about in my own free time. I think when you combine all of that, it's just, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm yeah. a business owner, I'm a leader. It's fantastic. Yeah. And that mindset, even though it may not be your company, that entrepreneurial mm -hmm. mindset is so powerful yeah. about how you think about your business, that yeah. it's your own four walls today, even yeah. in your multi-store role. Today, this is the, the four walls that I'm going to impact. Here yeah. are the team that I'm going to spend time with today. Here are the customers that I'm going to make a memorable experience yeah. with. If you really rise kind of above the sometimes really tough and the go-back parties, which, you know, if you call it a party, that's great. Yeah. Um, but, but some of it's not fun. And I think we have to call it out. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean that it's all glamorous all day. Yeah. But it's how you approach it and how you think about your impact. Sounds like you've done that really well. Yeah, I think it is all mentality, right? Retail is a very hard job and it mentally sometimes can be defeating, emotionally it can be defeating sometimes. And I think that the customer piece, while it is one of my absolute favorite pieces, we spoke to it in the beginning, right? I love being able to make people's day. My favorite part of holiday is when someone says, I don't think we're gonna be able to get this. It's sold out in the company. And then we say, no, you hold on. We're gonna find this for you. And we get to do it, you know, the day before Christmas for their kid, you know, opening under the tree. I think I love that stuff, but there also are really tough moments. And we do get to recognize and acknowledge that with our team and make it a real conversation. But I think at the end of the day, yeah, there is great value in what we do. And I think that if we find a way to think about what we do in that framework of we get to make people's day and we are responsible for making great memories for people, for a team, for a customer, for ourselves, all of it. I think it's really rewarding work. Yeah. And having been in two Evo locations, the team is pretty young. Mm-hmm. It, so you know, it sounds like they they join Evo because they love sports or they love to skate, they love to ski, they love the outdoor lives of Salt Lake City or Seattle. Mm -hmm. How do you approach them maybe being their first or second job? How yeah. do you impact their perception of retail? I think that, man, I wish we could pull some of them uh, <laughs> here today. But yeah, I think it's interesting. We do have a wide range of employees. I think I have one senior boot fitter that he might retire this year, but he's one of the most sought out in our industry. And uh, my skate park manager has been with us for quite a while and skating since he was very young. But I think, yeah, the majority of my team is a lot of younger folks who are, they love our sports and they just want to be in the community and they want to figure out how to be a part of. They love getting to talk to people about what they love to do in their free time. And so I think for me, it's about building off of what they already know that's natural to them, that mm -hmm. they already came to Evo to do, but adding just other verbiage and other skill sets to that, right? About building from friendships with their customers, which is a real piece of retail, right? Building that yeah. authentic connection with customers. And I think that I try really hard to, to not talk about some of the maybe old school verbiage that I learned in retail that 
add-ons and KPIs and certain closing things, the closing the sale. <laughs> yeah, but I think teaching them all of those things with different language so that they don't feel pressured, right? So that it is really authentic to them because they are bringing a very authentic part of their lives to work at Evo. And so I think making it feel very significant and valuable to them so that it just feels Mm. like what they would be saying or doing anyway. So I think I've really tried to bring that aspect because I think I've also realized too that while numbers and all of that for me is a fun thing, it's a strategy and it's a, a challenge, all that, that's not how maybe everyone in a team of 100 feel. And so I rebuilt that time and time again with every team as you learn who your team is and what motivates them. And this team in particular, they're just passionate about this and passionate about what we do. So continually figuring out how to really just make sure that we are giving our customer what they truly need and want and giving my team the tools that they need and want to be able to do that and feel good, yeah. I think is really my way of doing that and teaching them retail. But they're, of course, always going to get a little of my retail uh, <laughs> retail spiels from time to time, and they know it, and they're used to it, and we make, find ways to make it fun. Yeah. <laughs> but like you said in the beginning, the businesses are not that different within retail about the basics. Mm-hmm. Ops, people, mm-hmm. process, whatever that is, they, it doesn't change dramatically. Yeah. What changes, exactly to what you said, is how you approach mm-hmm. each individual person and give them what they need to succeed. Absolutely. And that is very different by person, by brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the joy of what you do Yeah, every day. Yeah. What excites you about the future of this business? Yeah. With Evo, I think I am very excited about just the potential of where we're going to go. I think that we really are, in our industry, the only business that is doing all of the things that we are doing and offering it to our customer. And I think mm-hmm. even just when we talk about employee perks and stuff like that. I think it's really cool when we put it all together under like one page of an umbrella of like all of the different things that we have within our scope. I think it's really unique. And I think when we get to talk about, you know, at Salt Lake, we have the hotel and we do have these restaurants. And I think when we are looking at the future of retail in this industry, I think that Evo has a really unique perspective on how to bring it all together. And we want to make sure that when you go to ski or snowboard, you also have a place to crash and store your snowboard and that you have a place to pick up the gear you forgot. And then, hey, say you're tired, you know, you don't want to hit the mountain the next day, but you want to climb. Do you have a place to do that right in the same building? And I think that when you look at it all toll, we're really continuing to innovate and also still keep the customer experience at the focus. And so for me, I think that we have a leader, a CEO that is very visionary and is very focused on the human aspect as well. And he will never forget that. So I'm very excited to see what we continue to come up with and how we continue to find new ways to push that experience piece. Um, We do Evo trips and things like that. So I think There's no limit to what we will continue to wrap under our umbrella for our team and for our customer. And I think for me as a leader, right, I think that the fact that I get to have such a big piece in all of that, the fact that we're building out so much more at even just one of my locations, I know that I'll get to have a voice in a lot of that. And that's really fun because Mm -hmm. I know my customers and my team will be heard in that process. And so who knows what in the next year we'll figure out that the customers need after the pandemic. And what, you know, so much has changed in the last few years, technology, all these things that customers are asking for. And so I think even last night I was sent an email about, do we need buy online, pick up in-store lockers that are customer facing to make things more efficient, kind of like Amazon lockers. And I saw the deck and I paused for a second. I thought, 
do we? Maybe, you know, and I think the fact that I get to consider that and have, you know, an influence on budget yeah. and location and stuff like that. I mean, I think the future really is limitless for Evo. So we're Amazing. in a very cool spot. Amazing. Any thoughts on the industry at large? For you, Because you have a lot of friends and, and colleagues in the yeah. industry. What is, What are you hearing and feeling today? Yeah, I think that the one thing I always know to be true is that retail is never going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's always ebb and flow of that dialogue, right? Of is retail going to be an industry that sticks? And I think that we know now that is it's it's, it's not going it's anywhere. It's stuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that the piece that and I've always said this is that our job as retail leaders and in this industry is we just have to keep evolving and we never have to lose our core, right, of what people are expecting from us. But we do have to evolve. And I think that I try to study our industry as much as possible. It's a hobby of mine. On the weekends, it's like one of the first things I do when I wake up is read kind of articles and all that business of fashion. But I think that it's our job to stay on top of what people want from mm -hmm. us. So I think that if that means we need to make returns easier, if that means we need to make more apps to be more accessible, if that means we need to make pay in store more accessible, we need to, I think you had another podcast about how we make a scheduling tool and what technology might be mm -hmm. relevant for that. And that was a great podcast and I think very valuable. And I think it's up to us to to keep evolving, to meet the needs of what customers are looking for. And that's always going to change. And we might find a solution for a year or two years, and then it's going to change again. Yeah. And yeah. that's okay. Right. right. Um, it's I, exciting, actually. It's exciting. Yeah. And I think I'm watching a lot of businesses. I know that I follow one, and I don't know if we're going to share names and stuff on here, but I think that watching how businesses have evolved for renting product and then how their warehouses will clean the product and identify mm -hmm. where their tears or need, need alterations, and then we send it back out. I think that all of that and the technology we need to be able to do those things efficiently, quickly, and cost effectively, I think is a really cool thing. We just have to keep identifying how to meet new business ideas with return on investment and customer needs and correct and maybe exciting. you know with the environment in mind on top of all of it 100 you know, so you work for an outdoor you know a company focused on outdoor life yes that's a really important component you know, yes. not only is our industry you know can have pretty significant damage mm -hmm. but how are we changing like how we operate in order yeah. to improve that. I'm sure it's on the radar for Evo. Yes, absolutely. We just did a big warehouse expansion this year, and we've put quite a big investment into technology for that, which we're hoping to have improved efficiency within our own company. But I think we most recently last year created a green team that was, you know, an effort to create alignment within many of the mm -hmm. ideas coming to the surface on how to be more sustainable. But I think that there are a ton of different conversations happening about as we grow the things that worked before are no longer going to work for our environment and for our beliefs and our core values. And Evo is very firm in what our core values are. And that's the one thing I do know to be true is that if something doesn't resonate with one of those, we take action really mm. quickly. And so I think that that is a big conversation right now of as we create this investment into our warehouse and all that, where is the investment to make sure that we are being sustainable and environmentally friendly? Because we do a lot of work, like I said, with the community aspect of we're out there helping build trailheads and we're one of the people digging the places we can ride bikes and things like that. And our team is invested in all of that. So we can't be those people. And then also the people, correct? you know, <laughs> uh, having the most box usage in the country. So all those conversations are very crucial. Amazing. And I, so I know you're a big fan of Retail Pride. You bought it for your team. I've seen yes. pictures, you and I, over the last couple of years um, since the book came out. Tell us just as we wrap up about the three pillars, mm -hmm. is there one that you really 
lean into uh, yeah. most heavily? Yeah, I think for me, it's an easy one actually is empathy. I think that as a leader, I'm always going to come from that place first. I want to know what my people need, what they're going through. I'm always going to ask questions before I say anything else. And I think that at the end of the day, yes, I'm running businesses, but I don't know how long anyone's going to work with me or for how long or if they're with me because they want to be with Evo for their career or if they're just learning from me for a chapter Mm -hmm. or if they really want to learn from me or if they just want a job for however long, you know. And so I think really my goal at the end of the day is to be a good person in your life for however long that is. And so I need to make sure that I'm always coming from a place of empathy for whatever it is that your life looks like for that day, that week, that month, that year. And so I think that there's always a a line, right, as leaders of how far we go with that. But that's always going to be how I walk into work every single day is how can I lead with empathy? How can I be of service to my team and my people? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's my mentality always. And then the curiosity and the other stuff is me and always how I operate in some other fun ways. But empathy, number one. Yeah, I I could absolutely see that. And, you know, I love that you said you're not judging if this person is working with you for a short amount of time, Mm -hmm. giving them everything in your ability to inspire, lead, teach, whatever Mm -hmm. that mentor, whatever that may look like, even it's for a short time. Yeah. I think that there's been some perception in our industry that we don't invest unless they're in it for the long term. Mm -hmm. If you're not relocatable, if you can't do this, if you can't do that, we won't invest. And I think we owe it back to our industry to change Mm -hmm. that thought process. Absolutely. Everyone in our industry is valuable and we all should share back what we know and love about it. Absolutely. Thank you, Dana. This has been such a pleasure to catch up again and see you after a number of years. I understand thoroughly now why you were part of the early Bonobos team. And I remember seeing you um, on the floor, you know, in, in La Jolla and connecting with customers. I'd never really seen anyone quite like you, mm. like the way that you were. I remember it clearly, how, mm. how you were on the floor. And to watch your evolution of your career makes me really proud. Thank so you, thank Ron. You. I really appreciate doing that. this. Yes, thank you. Thank how you. can people find you? Instagram. I think uh, you have a social or a couple of <laughs> social media handles for me. And then uh, those links will take you to a website for me as well. And LinkedIn. Thank you, Dana. Thank Thanks you, Ron. Thank you, Dana, for being on the show today and to everyone for listening. Thank you to my producer, Roy Pedetz, and to Dean Albach, the audio engineer for Retail in America. Subscribe at RetailPride.com and follow me on Instagram at RetailPride to see all the details about the Retail in America tour. And with that, keep your Retail Pride strong, and I will see you on the road.